let's get going. Well, good day, everyone. It's Wesley here from Business Blessings. I want to welcome you to episode 20 of Sacrificial Succession Podcast. Mission accomplished. Paul, welcome back. Thanks, Wes. I, um, as I've been telling to you that I am coming across so many bad stories about succession that it's, it's not good. And, um, uh, it's just not good at all. And, and no, no doubt those, there's a reason why people would be listening to this is that they are, they've either experienced a bad succession in the middle of a bad succession, or maybe they're dealing with a fallout of a bad succession and maybe they've done it in the past and they're, they want to make sure that the next one that they're involved in actually works well. Yeah, perhaps there's another category. They're not listening to this podcast and they don't realise that the train wreck is about to occur. Yes. <laughs> and, and that, let's be honest, that seems to, to change very quickly, doesn't it? Like, like this is, yeah. like, a, like you see where plane crashes, most of them either happen during takeoff or during landing and it's all, things just change very quickly. And, and I'm seeing that happen in leadership, things that things seem to just change very quickly. They do. And if you don't have the foundations in place, and we'll be touching on a few of those today, but if those foundations aren't in place, you know, I think I was just talking to you earlier about seatbelts. Um, if you don't have the seatbelts on, uh, your injuries are going to be uh, dramatically um, different to um, if you did have seatbelts on. So uh, it's very pertinent. Poor, just a funny thing in that I was talking to uh, a, a Christian leader the other day who's been around, he's in his mid-70s and has been involved in most major leadership kind of uh, Christian events since the 50s. And he said to me, um, he remembers when they brought in seatbelt laws and Christians protested against them because it was against our freedom. And sometimes... Like it just, it reminded me that sometimes um, we want our freedom, but actually that freedom is better when there's constraints for one of a better word or things put in place to guide us and lead us and direct us. And that's really what's what you're doing here with sacrificial succession. You're putting a framework in place for which people can operate in that will lead to success. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's sort of a paradigm that you um, have to be able to change the way that you've done things before. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, with seatbelts, it's a change of culture, um, but actually it protects you from much more damage uh, than if you didn't have them. And this is the way I look at these principles and really how we've outworked them around the world is that perhaps, you know, we haven't always seen the degree of success that we've liked, but I tell you what, we've seen a lot less collateral damage because when we've been intentional about this than in places where we haven't. Yeah, yeah, so good. Well, the scripture you got for today is Judges 17.6, which says, in those days Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. I feel like those days are still here with this pool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit like Groundhog Day, um, that movie where, you know, it's the same thing, same day comes up again and again. But it, it's often because there's a misapprehension or a 
misconception about the reality of the situation. Um, you know, and I, I, I remember most of us are old enough to remember this, but, you know, um, there's that iconic uh, picture and speech on the um, aircraft carrier, the USS Abraham Lincoln back in 2003, where there was a banner behind um, George W. Bush, which said mission accomplished. Um, even though what he actually said in the speech, very few people probably listened to the speech. They just remember the image. He said, our mission in Iraq continues. But that, that is really emblematic oftentimes of the way that we treat uh, the situations that we're in. You know, uh, the time of the judges didn't occur in a vacuum. It occurred because um, Joshua had decided that essentially the job was done when it wasn't done and um, had a succession ceremony long, long before perhaps it was actually time to do so. Now, we're, in many cases, we're not even that intentional. Yes. We just assume that, um, well, everything's okay. And so, you know, we have the banner mission accomplished uh, when actually uh, what we should have been saying is our mission continues. And to his credit, he was saying that even though the banner behind him gave all the wrong messages. And that was actually what people took away from the speech. Not They didn't listen carefully enough to what he actually had to say. And so, you know, to me, that's a reminder that sometimes the headlines in what we're doing scream out one thing while perhaps we might be saying the right thing we might even mean the right thing but all of our messaging peripheral messaging is actually saying all the things that um you know we shouldn't be sending sending all of the wrong messages because you know if we to 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 his credit Joshua warned the people, you know, about if you, if me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, if you don't do this, this is what you can expect to happen. But he hadn't put into place the framework for a continued um, transition, a healthy transition to the next generation. And so you have that time of the judges when uh, things were just chaotic and um, oh, there's plenty of transitions and successions that fit the time of the judges perfectly. <laughs> and, and, and the people, uh, as the verse says, the people do all sorts of things during those times of transition and, and stuff needs to be mopped up and put back in place and sorted out, and it, which, which can actually make the, the transition even worse. Well, it can because, you know, at the end of the day, the um, what what tends to happen is is that if we don't do something intentionally, uh, then people, uh, it, it again, like I just said earlier in the beginning, nothing happens in a vacuum. People do, if we don't do something and we don't provide the framework and we don't develop the models and put them into practice, that doesn't mean that nothing happens. Yeah, people still. Um, do whatever's needed to get things done. Yes. Uh, you know, in the case of judges, by God's grace, there were people who were raised up, like Gideon and, and others, who uh, were good leaders, but they weren't within the right frame 
And so things were still very chaotic, despite the fact that they in themselves were good men and women. It's uh, something, it's just the grace of God. <laughs> it's amazing that things just keep going. Um, Paul, we've often talked about the fact that Moses did the right thing in preparing Joshua and Caleb, but Joshua didn't do the right thing in preparing the next generation. You do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at that, you know, however you read um, Moses, you know, but perhaps in human terms, we might consider him a little bit unlucky, <laughs> to be honest. You know, he, it sounds like he did one thing and then he's not able to go into the promised land. Um, but the, I think the point is, who would God have been able to appoint? Yeah. It was ultimately God's choice. But still, it was a pool of people that God drew from that Moses had prepared. You know, Moses's ministry, for want of a better term, ended much, much quicker and ended abruptly <laughs> compared to what I think Moses would have anticipated and Joshua would have anticipated. I'm sure everyone anticipated Moses would have gone into the promised land with them, but didn't. Um, and yet, it was relatively seamless because there was a Joshua and Caleb prepared. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there was no one after them. And so, you know, if you look at the story of judges early on, um, it was Caleb at whatever advanced age he was that was trying to continue to um, run the transition in a very sort of family related way. You know, he had no males in that, sort of patriarchal society so he was trying to encourage his son-in-law you know with incentives um yes. that was the best way that he, you know <laughs> and we sort of laugh at it and, and it we do. You know, it's sort of tragically humorous hey <laughs> there's plenty of situations where that's exactly the case because we're desperate and we haven't you know i mentioned one of the cases there in the book about robert Schuler, you know uh, crystal cathedral um, nothing, no one there to take over from him. Uh, so it's his grandson that finally takes over. Um, doesn't do a bad job, but the whole, um, you know, the whole transition is in crisis and the whole business or organization tumbles over, falls over. Um, and, you know, there's so many examples of that because there's been no uh, preparations made to vet people, to work with them, to prepare them. You know, um, I always think of that, you know, in terms of when uh, Jesus died, uh, if you look at it in human terms, it was abrupt. It wasn't the right time. Uh, and yet he had plenty of successors prepared. They didn't think they were ready, no. um, but they were. Um, by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you think of Paul, you know, he ended his uh, life in prison. Yeah. Um, and yet he had prepared um, Timothy's and Titus's. I'm sure there were plenty more. Um, and they were ready to replace him. Uh, and so, you know, he could be in prison confident that, in a sense, his ministry had ended in terms of being able to directly uh, influence people he could still write to them but um he was confident 
yes. that uh, the 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 ministry would continue. And so we have a lot to learn from uh, these people uh, in the Bible and elsewhere of what um, a good transition is and what a bad one looks mm-hmm. like as well. Yes. So, Paul, you talk about that there's actually four roles in uh, in sacrificial succession. For the mission to be accomplished, which is the heading today, um, there's at least you've got the predecessors, the successors, the disciples, and then even those, the sustainers, the coming afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at say, you know, what Paul says to to Timothy in Second Timothy two two. He, he really talks about, uh, you could look at it as perhaps four generations. If not four generations, there's at least four uh, different roles, you know, or functions. And that is, uh, if you, you know, you consider Paul, you consider then Timothy, uh, then those who were qualified and the, then the others that they were passing that on to. Um, and so, yeah, when you look at a sacrificial succession, um, you you need to be considering the people who are currently serving through leadership roles. You know, the Bible uses the term diakonos, or we use the term deacons. Uh, but this is more of a role, uh, you know, necessarily as opposed to a position, which perhaps it's become, you know, often in churches today. Yeah. Um, we, we need, you know, we need disciples. We need those that are serving without expectation. We need to be watching them. The Bible uses the term doulos. Um, And, of course, um, we need to have those people who are currently in leadership who are preparing to sacrificially hand over. And the the Bible uses the term latron, which is talking about the ransoming of a slave or perhaps in more modern times, well, we have modern-day slavery too, um, but, but paying the ransom price for, say, someone who's been kidnapped, perhaps as another analogy. Uh, and then, of course, the role of the sustainer. Um, best, um, uh, the best depiction of that, of course, is the Holy Spirit, who, who said, you know, I'll return to the Father. Jesus said, I'll return to the Father so that and send my Holy Spirit. Then you'll be able to do greater things than me. Parakletos being the advocate, the one who sustains, reminds, teaches. These are very key roles um, in a sacrificial succession. And, you know, in particular, the sort of projects that we've run which i talk about in the book which are you know in really difficult places where um we're talking about um people who've been through trauma crisis it's economic and social um dysfunction uh and so you know it's very much a place and situation where you really have to (laughs) trust that what the lord says about these things are true uh, as one as my colleague junior who you uh, who we we interviewed and I've spent lots of times with he says you just have to apply these principles believing that because they're biblical principles they'll work <laughs> you know this is this is one of the thing about reading the bible isn't it that it's it's 
the instructions are there, but we actually need to not just read it, but to, to pick it up and actually put it into practice and do we it. We do. And we're, you know, and we've done it. And if you read my book, um, you know, I, I share with you from the heart, the challenges that we faced um, uh, people, you know, who don't, don't believe it's possible, uh, have doubts about their successes. I mean, in the natural, I'm sure Jesus had doubts about yes. his disciples. Two of them betrayed him. Yes. Well, actually more. Two betrayed him explicitly and yes. the rest ran away. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure that Timothy and Titus were not the caliber of Paul. That's fairly obvious. Um, and that's not the point. The point of the matter is we've got to entrust leadership to the next generation irrespective of whether you know we think they're um up to our standard or not and the whole idea of sustaining and 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 not leaving uh, you know that, that's what the holy spirit does for us uh, he guides reminds teachers that's what helps us to do greater things and that's what helps our successors to do uh, greater things, you know, and I was just looking again through some of the stories that I share in the book, you know, one of them being in Myanmar, where this guy, David uh, Mamang, uh, he he had to come to this point of saying, you know what, I I need to hand over leadership to someone who on the face of it is far inferior to me as a leader. Well, guess what? A place where he was not able to see a breakthrough within six months he saw a breakthrough um, where this guy who was far in here, inferior to him, and I agree, I've met both of them. Um, and they, they are at face value. But as, as the Bible says, and as you know, reality tells us, God often chooses to work through the weak things, the things that don't appear strong, the things that appear dumb and stupid, uh, and uh, that's just the way God has chosen to work. And so if we can't accept that, then we're going to constantly be butting our heads against reality and uh, not getting the blessings and benefits of, like G G uh, Junior said, just do it. You have to be willing to just do it. Uh, it wasn't Nike that came up with, uh, <laughs> you know, it was said a lot. I know they copyrighted it, but um, this was said a long time before them, I can assure you. Yes, you. <laughs> well, you, you know, with that, often we forget that we weren't, like the leader that we are when we finish something or at the time of transition is not the leader that we were when we started. You know, and, and this is, I think, one of the things that you're bringing forth, that God often takes well, god does not he does take people on a journey he appoints them then he anoints them and and like you grew throughout the leadership positions i've grown throughout the leadership positions you know and and we may not be perfect when we're appointed to those places we may you know people can see or maybe they can't see what we've got and and sometimes leaders um it's almost are appointed by default because like, well, you're the only one around you know, uh, to do that. But then, then, then God anoints them and they work with him and they seek his face and they, you know, as they go forward, things start to unravel and, and they accomplish greater than what we thought they could. 
So we need to, uh, with us, so we need to allow people that grace to be able to do the same thing. We do. We do. And one of the, um, you know, one of the uh, analogies I use in the book, which is certainly not mine, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it. You know, he talks about the things within a house or home. He calls the things, the ignoble things, the things that are not noble, but they're the things that make a house into a home. And, of course, he's talking exactly about what you're talking about. Um, and, and, you know, Sir Francis Bacon, I think probably puts it best, uh, that it's the, it's through indignities that we come to dignity. Um, and if you think about the way that we've learned things throughout our leadership lives, um, often it's, you know, the greatest joy and the greatest satisfaction, perhaps not at the time. Uh, and you'd know this, you know, you're a bean counter, you're a money man, um, when when we invest, and I'm just talking money, it's far more rewarding with people. But when we invest our money and, you know, we see how a smart investment here has grown, it's very satisfying. And, and, and we could have easily not. Yes, yes. Because there's a risk. There's always a risk. Um, but even more so with people, far more so. Um, is to recognize that it's when we invest in others and we prepare others intentionally, uh, it may not feel like that at the time, I can assure you. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the book is full of those testimonies where people doubted because of ethnic differences, uh, experience, you know, people that were not experienced, weren't professionals. The, The doubt, I think is always there. Um, but it's the, the reward of seeing that happen is the greatest reward, certainly from my perspective that I can ever think of, but also, uh, and it can only be in hindsight, but it often saves us from the worst types of car crashes. Yes. And train wrecks, which, uh, you know, like we were talking just before the podcast, unfortunately, when you've exposed yourself perhaps to some of these sacrificial succession principles, it's a maybe a little bit like, a, you know, um, I think I've said before, being a hunter, when you put your night vision goggles on or something, you know, stuff that's been invisible in the past suddenly comes to life and not all of it's pretty, I can yes. assure you. Um, it's quite depressing and quite saddening at times because you think if only if only something had been done three or five years ago yes um, there's a pretty good chance we wouldn't be going through this tragic circumstance now where everything is turned upside down and and it's chaotic uh sometimes it's necessary uh, but oftentimes it's that the sort of chaos that comes is not really the chaos that was needed. It was a terribly chaotic time after the death of Jesus. Um, uh, but that was necessary. Yeah. And Jesus had prepared people for that necessity. And so often it's unnecessary because no one's prepared anyone or anything for uh, the crisis at hand. Yeah. You know, <laughs> It's a funny story. We are, I planted a macadamia nut tree. I got a gift seven years ago. I planted it. It's now quite tall. But it's not, and it, we've just gone through flowering season here, but I've got not one nut 
being produced on the tree because it needs a mate. <laughs> so I found out. And so I went to the, uh, the nursery the other day and said, I need a mature macadamia nut tree. And she said, sorry, you've got to plan it. <laughs> and she said, and I do it quickly. <laughs> so it's up and going. And I, I've just had this image in, in my mind that, you know, we've got to start. You've got to start and do this because you do and that is a really good analogy i was actually doing the same thing because i'm looking at putting um a hedge uh on my boundary because the the neighbors have chopped everything out and exactly that i was researching a number of hedge trees that can bear fruit and one of the particular ones i was looking at i can't remember there's some sort of guava or something that make a good hedge and the, that was the key point that the people noted is that they cross-pollinate. And so if you don't have more than one, um, best not plant them because you must have a number of them together for them to cross-pollinate. And this it's a really important analogy for what we're talking about. Uh, if we don't have those three stages in place and the three generations of people, doesn't mean, we, yes, as you say, you can start at any time, yeah. but the point is you need to start. There needs to be that cross-pollination. There needs to be at least three trees. Yeah. Um, and it's the only way that we're likely to see the sort of fruit that we're talking about. It doesn't happen uh, by accident. Your macadamia nut tree is not suddenly going to bear fruit until it has a mate that it can cross-pollinate with. Yeah, I know. And so we're, we're, now, we're now seven years behind. <laughs> and I think yeah, I've nurtured this thing, I've grown this thing, but it, to no avail because we have It's a really, you know, it's a really important distinction for people to understand as we've talked a lot, uh, Wes, and I've, you know, mentioned in the book many, many times, there are organisations that produce fantastic leaders. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little bit like your tree. You're nurturing and nurturing and nurturing that tree. The What you haven't done is th there's no successor. No, that's right. Um, and so all the nurturing and, that, you know, your tree, I assume, is a fantastic leader. Oh, it's on great. It, it looks fantastic. Um, it is. And wow, it, you know, it's very well, yeah, but it's not it, producing. And it, that's right. And it's probably got all the professional qualifications under the sun. Knowing it does, this. yes. <laughs> um, but there's no fruit and there will never be any fruit because it's not been prepared as a successor. No. Um, and, and we just have to remember that we are so leadership focused. I would say leadership centric, especially in the West, but not exclusively. Um, you know, we can Google everything to find out how to do things. Um, but we're not talking about that here. We're talking about preparing people who can actually replace us. Yeah. And that does not happen without intent and time and effort. And even if it's seven years too late, you better find a mate for your macadamia. <laughs> there's a, there's a, 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 I know it's, it's very bad and we've got to do it very quickly. Um, you, you know, the, the other story that I'll tell the, that um, happened during this past week was um, I was listening to this podcast of actually the daughter of um, a church leader that I know. And 
And it was just fantastic because uh, her and her husband have now had a church that I think influences about 60,000 people. And I was listening to it and I thought, why aren't their parents doing that? And then I was speaking to someone who knows both the daughter and the um, parents very well and said, where's this? Because the two of them had to be a part. Like there was no succession in place that the parents are holding so tightly and control to to their organization their church but it's not so it, it's limited to its growth it, it doesn't grow any more than 100 120 people because that's what they can control but yet their daughter has taken these principles and, and with her husband have grown something to sixty thousand. and i thought you know what a like that's just like it actually breaks my heart because like yes yep. yes Oh my! I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> Paul, you, you're just leading me to seeing too many examples of where it's not working properly. Hence, why we're doing this podcast so that that we can get actually people thinking about it. And we need and and I think one of the things that that is coming through is the you need to be intentional about this right from the start. Be intentional about developing those generations and. You know, so, so often people think that, it, but I'm going to lose out through this. But actually, you're not going to lose out. You're going to have the benefit of seeing um, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Like, what a privilege, you know, to see that. And 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 in ministry, it can actually go on and on and on and on. Can. Than that. And I often think of it as part of uh, what, the parable um, of the talents is talking about because, you know, the, 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 the guy who had the one talent, um, he didn't want to multiply it. He just saw, Oh, well, I'll bury it uh, because that guarantees that that particular investment is not going to reduce anyway. Um, And yet uh, the one who was commended, was the one who was willing to take the risk and invest the talents that he was given um, and to see a great return. And that's what we've got to do. Uh, if we just hang on to that one talent, uh, and even if it's many, it doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. If we're not willing to invest them in people, uh, then that's, that's going to be our lot as well. And, uh, you know, the one who held on to their talents was not praised. In fact, uh, you know, he received a very strong rebuke. And so for me, that reminds me again that I have the, uh, actually, uh, it, it is a command that I am to invest in others intentionally to see them continue the work that I've started. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, the reality is I don't really have an option if I'm honest with myself and I want to be obedient. But even if I want to be practical, I just have to realize I don't know when the, you know, I don't know when my use by date is. That's the problem with all of us. Uh, With products, we know that. Um, But with ourselves, we don't. And so we need to be prepared with, uh, you know, enough stock (laughs) Um, so that we don't run out of time or run out of opportunity to make those investments that are going to continue from one generation to the next, you know, and I think, well, what if Jesus hadn't prepared 
What if Paul hadn't prepared? It's possible that the work wouldn't have continued. Actually, it reminds me, uh, it takes me back uh, last week in our listening prayer time, we looked at Genesis 1 and that when God created us, he blessed us and said, be fruitful and multiply. Whereas the parable of the talent, he didn't, they didn't multiply. They, they hold on to it so tight that there was no way for that to multiply. And look what happened with those who, who took the five talents and the 10 talents. It multiplied, but not only that, they were given more which yeah. is really what you're talking about here yeah. is the, the potential for so much more is just, it's palpable. Like <laughs> you can feel it. Yeah. If you yeah. actually go in and do this. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of those, um, you know, I think that that's where that, where the, the promise there is, you know, I think it's in Isaiah there where, where it says he shall see his seed. It's speaking of Christ. Well, obviously Christ didn't have physical, uh, you know, as in biological children. Yes. But it was a promise that the people that he invested in, he would see them as his spiritual children. Yes. And in in that, in in his sense, it's eternally. Um, for us, um, perhaps it will be as well. When we're in glory, when we're in heaven, we will see um, some of that. But for us now here on earth, we may not necessarily see that, but we can be uh, confident that having invested in people in that way and preparing them as successors in the next generation, you know, I think with the apostle Paul, uh, whenever he died and however he died, some people believe he was martyred. I'm sure at that point um, he felt a sense of peace because he had invested in people and there were people there who can, were able to continue the work that he started. And for me, that's what I would like to be yeah. is to leave a legacy whenever my use by date um you know matures yes. and comes yes I, I would like to have a sense of peace in my heart that there are plenty of people who can continue uh doing what i started and i you know i hope doing better job than me yes <laughs> oh yes yes i wholeheartedly agree well paul we do need to wrap up today um but you've got some great questions here how is your successional mission being accomplished and what steps are you taking to serve, sacrifice for and sustain successes? That's a, oh, that's a key one to ponder now, isn't it? Well, what steps, what practical things, how intentional are you in preparing those next ones to come up? And then if you're not doing that, what must be done to accomplish it? Yeah. Yep. It's good. And then you finish with a prayer. Lord, help me to continue my mission of sacrificial succession till it is finished. Resolve to continue your mission of sacrificial succession till it is finished. And this is one of the things is that this is going to be something from now until the day we die. <laughs> the yeah. day we now things because there's always there will always be opportunity to raise up that next generation. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I want to encourage you guys, if you have not yet downloaded uh, Paul's book, go to sacrificialsuccession.com and you'll be able to do that there. Well, Paul, I look forward to our time together next week. Thanks, Wes.